saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. This next hour, we study the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is your light, and that light shines in any darkness, including your own. The light shines on us today from Ephesians chapter 2. Paul just said those words that we remember, By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. This is a central point of the Christian faith. And sometimes we can take these verses to be, may be all about just me and Jesus. I know I have, and I still do uh, often, is that we think of it as me and myself. But Paul challenges the Ephesian church to see themselves as part of something bigger, united as one, being built up together. How does this relate to today? We'll find out. The gifts are ready. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, any, anywhere. A special thanks to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us Pastor John Lekomsky, who is co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO. Pastor Lekomsky, thank you for being with us, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Well, I tell you what, Brady, what, what's the temperature up there today? It is 34 degrees. I just checked. And you guys are probably out in your shorts and your T-shirts, aren't you? <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. Yesterday, my yesterday was forty. I mean, it was basically Florida here yesterday. And uh, my daughter, who's in high school now, uh, and Lord have mercy, but she's in high school in ninth grade. She said she counted six guys who wore shorts to school yesterday. Six. <laughs> no, no girls did, but only the guys. Well, when it's been negative thirty, you know that that's a big. We're Brady. I don't want to rub it in, but we're we're going to be in the fifties, maybe even sixty today. So we yeah. we're we're done with that cold too. I hope I hope that's permanent. I hope that cold doesn't come back again. But oh, yeah, absolutely. it's much more pleasant absolutely. than it was a week ago. Um, well, it really does. It does affect you in so many ways. I can even feel it in the church. You know, when it's negative oh, twenty, no. I mean, you don't do anything. <laughs> you don't do anything. But anyways, no. but we're here. Hey, tell me this. I want to ask this question. Um, I'm John. How did Jolly John Lukomsky come into being? Do you? Is there a moment? Was this something that you made up, or how did this come to be? I don't know. It just over the years, <laughs> uh, somehow that that nickname got it, it picked up and stuck. I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. I'm a rather dour person, <laughs> but somehow I. Oh <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's and that's a good thing to stick. I mean, just think if your name was Dan, Dower Dan. I mean, that'd be a horrible, a <laughs> yeah. Debbie Downer yeah, or something. No, I mean, much worse. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful! Well, I'm excited to have you on today as we look at Ephesians chapter two, and uh, let's just do this. Let's get right into it. We we can talk about other things as we study. Um, um, as we begin, uh, Pastor Lekomsky, can you begin us in prayer? Oh, Lord, uh, again, help us to see that this isn't just about the Gentiles and the Jews in Ephesus, but this is about us. Help us to think about the people that we have hostility with, people that we are separated and divided from, maybe maybe as a culture, maybe in our family, uh, maybe amongst friends. And, and may we hear the, the beautiful words that Paul has given us, that we have a source and a power that can help us overcome those divisions and separations. Uh, and by the power of your Spirit, may you work that in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to everyone that if you have any questions for us this morning, drop us a, a line, um, an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, 
KFUO at KFUO.org. Now, as we look at chapter two, I'm, what's been really fun about going through these epistles is that there's so many passages in Second Corinthians, especially in Galatians and also in Ephesians, where you know them. Like you can maybe not even necessarily recite it by heart because I'll admit myself I'm not great at memorizing and just pulling it out of my um, out of my pocket or something. But you know them. You know they're there. And then usually we stop there. And now we come upon verses 11 through 22, concluding the chapter, chapter 2. And it's a very important uh, uh, chapter, but right now we get to parts that maybe we don't often look at. Do you have any thoughts on these verses, uh, kind of background or con- context or well, summary that you want to focus man, on? Brady, you, you, you hit it on the head with your, your opening comment when we started. Because, uh, yeah, we hear the business about we're saved by faith, by grace. Uh, this is a gift. And, and and it is. It is, as you said, it's a personal thing. There's no doubt that this is a great comfort to know that it's all been taken care of by Jesus for me personally. But but you're right. Right away, Paul turns around and says, but now you have to consider the impact this has upon your relationship to other people. Um, and this is a very real problem in Ephesus. From what I, I've read, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles were literally fighting. They they were at war uh, in that particular area, Caesarea. And, and now Paul has to do with the fact that I've got to bring these people together because now we're one in Christ. Well, that'll all be fleshed out here. Um, but what struck me, Brady, as we read this, it, it's not the approach that probably we would take because uh, he's talking to the Gentiles, <laughs> right? Isn't that the first thing? Right. At one time, you Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what we usually do is we run down the other people, right? We'd, we'd say, oh, you know, those Jews, we know that they're, a, you know, they're kind of stuck up and they're proud. But, but he doesn't say a bad thing about the Jews at all, does he? Well, he no. gets one little dig in here at the beginning, but for the most part, he has nothing disrespectful to say about the Jews. He just is addressing the Gentiles now and what has happened and how their their position has changed. Well, well, anyway, uh, um, yeah, it's it's just a great text because we are living in a society now where there are a lot of divisions. Uh, conservatives versus liberal, uh, the whole issue going on with with black uh, rights and and uh, and uh, man, this is an important text for us to realize that as Christians, we have to deal with these issues differently than the world deals with them because we're in a different position. Mm. We are those who have been reconciled to God. Uh, well, anyway. And, and that's really that's really powerful stuff. And one of the things that Dr. Winger writes in his commentary on this, especially in these verses, is he spo- he sa- talks about how noticing the emphasis on the repetition of words such as in and through. So my challenge for the listeners today is to look at the words in and through that he uses in Christ Jesus, in his flesh, in him, and how it's very clear that. Uh, the, the solving of unity is not just by, you know, um, 11 verses, but the foundation of how we are to look at one another at the same time to remind each other why we are here together as God's people. And also when we witness begins in this, this is the foundation, this, and it even speaks that way, right? The, 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 the cornerstone, you know, the, the foundation that we have is in these words. So I, I encourage our listeners to look at the word in and through and how that obviously always points us to Christ. So are, are we ready? Are we ready, John? I'm ready when you are. 
<laughs> All right, verses 11 <laughs> through 13, 11 through 13. Rendered to our listeners, we are reading from the English Standard Version. Paul writes, Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, quote-unquote, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He hits it right on the beginning, then and now, then and now. Any thoughts on these verses, Pastor? Well, so here's the thing, and, and, and I just was checking this out right before the show started, and I, I noticed something I hadn't noticed when I was doing my prep yesterday. So so we've got this distinction between the uncircumcision and the circumcision, right? And, and so I'm thinking in the Greek, it, it's probably just uh, the word circumcision and then the same word with a negative on, because the Greeks, we do that. You just add a negative to it. And so you got, that's how it sounds in the English, right? Circumcision and uns- right. uncircumcision. But but when you check it out in the original language, it's actually two totally different words. And the hmm. word for uncircumcision is not a nice word, <laughs> okay? It's not the kind of word that you could probably use on radio, so I won't tell you what it actually means. Uh, but I'm thinking this was probably a term of insult. And, and we do that, don't we, Brady? For for, hmm. for the, the other party, we have words, we have terms for them that probably shouldn't be repeated in polite society. Uh, you know, we talk about black and white relationships. Well, you know, we had some words. Hmm for the blacks that now you don't dare use, you know, which is probably a good thing. But see, isn't that amazing that Paul actually uses that term that would have been a term of insult, and and yet he turns it totally around and says, let them call you that if they want to call you that, but don't you see things are totally—and you know what? It was probably true. We deserve Mm -hmm. that kind of term for what we were at the beginning, what you were at the beginning, but we're not that anymore. That has all totally changed. So it's just, I'm just, and I think this is how you got to deal with it. You you can't deal with our fleshliness and our humanness because it will always bring us back to separation and division. You've got to have this focus on Jesus Christ and how he has, as you said, yeah, you were separated, you were alienated, you were strangers, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. all of that. And all that was true, but not anymore. <laughs> no, 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 not anymore. No. And now, now I'm kind of curious because now you speak of, because in Galatians 5, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Now I'm wondering if he uses the same word in Galatians 5, it, verse it, 6. It is. It is. It, it is. is. Okay. Yeah. So he's and, definitely... And the word, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, and the word for uncircumcision is a, a body part. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. It's not the All kind right. of name you'd want to be calling people, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> a little bit. So. You know, definitely Paul is more explicit than we know because we just don't know the lingo. A lot of times, no. but he's definitely yeah. an explicit guy to get his point across. And in the same way, gives an explicit gospel. I mean, there's there's no bones about it. He speaks about only in faith, only by Christ, by which you are saved, which is pretty explicit um, if you think about how we naturally are as humans. Um, okay, and, and, so he's and, very and explicit that, there. Isn't that incredible, Brady? So, so let them insult us. Let them call us names like that. Because in Christ, uh, it makes no difference. It makes no mm-hmm. difference. 
Uh, and by the way, I do think he kind of gets his dig in a little bit at the Jews with this business mm-hmm. about which is made in the flesh by hands. You know, like saying, do you guys really think that that was such a big difference that this is how the world should be divided is between the circumcised and uncircumcised when circumcision was not an act of God, but it was just an act of human hands. Yeah. And, and oh, then, how can you how can you separate people out then, right? If it's God that's brought us together, how can you separate them out from yourself? Yep. Gotcha. Okay, I was wondering where is this uh, kind of jab? That makes sense, as you say that flesh by yeah. hands. Yeah, because you think about it, if you start if you start distinguishing people distinguishing people that way, where does it end? You know, where where yeah. are we gonna where are we gonna end this separation? And it's just never gonna happen because we're always gonna make new rules, new this, new that. If you don't see Christ as a reason why we're together, um, any other thoughts in verses twelve or thirteen? Well, well, just the final thought that occurred to me from from this little discussion here is, is how can you belittle someone who has been created by God, mm-hmm. right? Because ultimately, then, if, if they're God's creation, God wants them all to be saved, and you dare not treat anyone or think of anyone in a sense that that isn't what God desires and wants for them. Well, whatever. No, and it is it is a very difficult thing because um, we have to repent over that almost daily when we interact because either personalities don't connect or or other issues are there. I mean, we all have them, even with our own families, and we all need to, you know, that baptismal understanding of dying and rising in Christ. And Lord, help us to have eyes to see that this person is one who has been redeemed. Uh, well, I guess I can go rhyming here, redeemed like me. <laughs> Say it that there you way. Go. So, yeah, yeah, anyways, exactly, um, Brady. Yeah. So, you know, he speaks here um, other words of alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, separated from Christ, no hope and without God. This sounds pretty dire as far as where the Gentiles were. Um, any any thoughts on that? Uh, well, and again, you might as well throw the far off that's in the next verse, too. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's right. and, and that's what everybody's got. Uh, Lynn and I, were, we, we, we were going through the Lutheran Confessions, and, and we're now in the, the Book of Concord, and we're in the part about human will. And, and there's a paragraph in there, and it just goes over and over again that there's absolutely no chance of anybody being saved on anything from any way uh, without Christ. And, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what he's saying here. And, and that's what he's asking the Gentiles to recognize, that they had nothing. I mean, at least the Jews could say they had the fathers and they had the scriptures. But if you're a Gentile, you have nothing. You are as distant, as far away from God as you can be. But isn't that the beauty of what he just told us in the last section? But by grace, you're saved. Isn't that mm-hmm. remarkable? And he says it here, too. Uh, we had no hope without God, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But as you pointed out, Brady, n- not, n- nothing apart from Christ. None of this could have been changed apart from that and his blood, which I think is interesting, too. That whole business of the sacrifice on the cross as the thing that changes everything. Well, and he speaks this language, too, and. um uh, in First Corinthians quite a bit. He does it all over the place, but that language yeah. of such were some of you, you know, you were far off. And he's speaking this wonderful um, focus. That, and, and, and Dr. Winger talks about this too, that the focus, this, is, this isn't, um, let's, let's make a testimony and talk about all the bad things that you've done, almost like you're glorifying the bad things. Is he speaking about it that you, that's who you were, but the focus is always on Christ. 
that he is yep. spoken. He, he's going back that you have been cleansed. You have been redeemed here. He is speaking. You have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. This is not for us to kind of promote all the bad stuff we used to do as if we should glorify in it. But here now you are in Christ by the blood of Christ that really, um, uh, he brings that explicit language in there, too. I mean, this isn't some kind of happy, clappy thing. This required blood. This required death. This required, um, you know, God submitting himself to our level. Uh, this is serious stuff. So and, and there's a lot there, uh, John, we could we could get into. Any last thoughts on these verses? Well, I just hope that everybody and, and, and you and I included understand he's talking about us. Yeah. Uh, you see, I think the great danger is now we would put ourselves in the place of the Jews and say, well, we're 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 the longstanding Christians. We're the good church-going people. Uh, we are the Missouri Synod. Well, oh, man, mm-hmm. there, there you're a notch above most other. And, and, and we've got to realize, and, and, and all of that's good. I'm not denying that. That is all good. I'm glad that people are regular churchgoers. I'm glad that we're part of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. But you've got to remember— that isn't how you got to be where you're at. <laughs> you asked how I got to be Jolly John. Well, that that was that was <laughs> given. <laughs> All right, and, and and that's how we got to read. We, we're if we're in this thing, this thing called the Christian Church, is because of what God did, and 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 apart from what Christ did in His blood, we would have been far off and distant, and and it, not, none of it would have been what's in our life. Uh, so this is talking about us, and and we got to remember that. Uh, we, well, I don't know. I think I've made my point. Yeah. You have, and you've done well. You've done well. It was funny on Sunday, we had a board, a board meeting, um, for our board of directors at our church and made, just made a comment that, you know, we, someone made a comment, you know, we're here, the church was here before us and the church will be here after us. Yeah. And then one of the guys, wonderful member raised his hand and goes, well, actually I'm one of the founding members. So technically I was here. From the beginning. <laughs> so it's just kind of a funny, funny dynamic. Okay, but the, you, the church will be here after you. So let's, let's just humble ourselves. You know, it's, kind of, it's funny how we sneak stuff in, right? And, and, that's, what, and that's what Paul is, is really addressing is that, well, but still I'm Jewish. I'm still, I'm circumcised. Yeah. Um, this is not as explicit in Ephesians as Galatians, but, you know, we commentaries I read talk about is probably there. There probably still is that oh. kind of like, well, let me raise my hand and say, by the way, you know, I'm still circumcised. That counts for something, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, so, I, I'd, ra- I'd raise my hand and say, but, but I'm a pastor. I'm ordained. Right. I'm a reverend. And, and of course, well, that's all good. I'm not saying that's, but no, that has nothing to do in terms of my relationship with God. That, in fact, all those things I mentioned were the gifts that God gave me. They're not the reason why God loves and cares for me or drew me near to him. Yeah. Right. And then this goes back to a theme in Ephesians, um, in that last verse, by the blood. In verse Ephesians 1, 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Once again, pointing away from us, raising our hand to try to insert ourselves, and pointing it only to the blood of Christ. Should we move on, and, Pastor? And, and, Brady, I'm no. see, now you've got to quit talking because you just make <laughs> me think of other things. But but see, I never thought about it before. But see, the blood is what humbles you, isn't it? Because oh, a lot of us would say, oh, well, yeah, I'm not perfect. I'm not good. But when you when you say the blood, you, you realize, oh, man, you must have been worse than not good that somebody would have to die for you. But that's what the point is. Yeah, yeah. none of us would have got in, no matter how good we were. This required the death of Jesus Christ. So apparently we were indeed 
strangers and aliens and far off that it would require such a sacrifice that you and I would be part of the church and of uh, uh, reconciled to God. You know, and this is going to be, now you start talking about something in my mind is uh, when Jesus uh, asked, I think it's the Pharisees, this is a little bit off the cuff here, is, uh, you know, is, is it harder to say stand up and walk or to say your sins are forgiven? Uh-huh. And I, I brought this up in confirmation continuously because I like talk about forgiveness of sins. And, and I said, what do you think? And the kids are like, well, obviously to say you're forgiven because I can't have anyone rise. And, and logically that makes sense. Um, but if you think about it, well, forgiveness of sins is harder. Why? But because it required blood to do it. It requires someone's life to get it done. God's blood. I mean, God, <laughs> God himself. And so this is, I mean, when we, we speak about forgiveness so simply, but really we have to remember why he did it. We are the reason he did it. And he had to give up himself in order to do it. So, yeah, this is exactly. serious language he's using. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you? You have more? I know I started talking again, so you have more no, to no, say? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. We'll never get beyond right. these verses. <laughs> That's right. Let's keep going. We'll go 14 through 16. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Okay, so he has a number of things he, uh, of his foci, I should say it that way, um, here. Where do you want to begin? Well, okay, so we're back to the point. We've got two groups in the church. We've got Gentiles and we've got Jews. Uh, he's addressing the Gentiles here. Uh, um and, and he's now saying you got to realize that there's no longer two, and not in the eyes mm. of God anymore. Uh, we've only got one man. Uh, there has been peace made. Um, and, and, you know, when you read the commentaries, they'll, they'll make the point that peace here is more than just uh, a cessation of war. You know, they'll mm. talk about, uh, uh, well, the whole Hebrew concept of shalom, where everything is just the way it should be. Everything's copacetic. Everything's working together. But don't you kind of get the sense, Brady, that, I mean, the other language is uses here. I think he is using peace more in terms of, uh, because he talks about hostility, which which mm-hmm. is the word that, that is about people that are at war, people that are fighting. Uh, and, and I really think probably in Ephesus there was. There were people probably literally fighting each other between Jews and Gentiles. And he's he's just saying that you can't do that if you're Christian anymore because, no, this is all different. We're not two, but we're one. Um, I don't know. What What are your thoughts about yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. He does use hostility twice. So yeah. and the hard part in Ephesians, and Dr. Winger speaks about this, is there's no explicit, like, here's the problem, you know, but he speaks like he does in Galatians, where he even tells them to emasculate themselves because he's so mad about how the, all the hostility that was there. But here he speaks about that oneness in Christ that extends beyond, while me and Jesus are good, it's about the peace that extends to one another. And, um, and he, he's speaking in a way that they've received this, that this, this, this unity has come, and in some ways of uh, just proclaiming the joy that it is there now for them. So, yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right. The cessation of war, the absence of war is something he is definitely highlighting to hopefully keep them 
from causing war with one another and fighting about something. Well, it's interesting, and, and, and Paul Paul does this all the time, but again, we, we don't catch it in, in the English, uh, sad to say. But he talks about, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. And see, there's the cross again, like you mm-hmm, pointed out. Mm-hmm. It, it, none of this happens just because people are going to have a better attitude. All of this is the fruit of what, what Christ has done on the cross. But the word reconcile, might reconcile us both to God, that, that's, that's, that's a word you won't find anywhere else in in in, in uh, secular Greek you, you find it only here and only in Colossians he's coined it it, it is basically the word reconcile that's why the English word uh, translates it reconcile but he adds uh, a, a little uh, another phrase to it to emphasize it and I'm wondering if that isn't his point that that it's what you said at the beginning I'm not talking about just a reconciliation between you personally and God yeah we have that that's what Christianity that's the heart and core but now we've got an even greater reconciliation that will actually bring people together, people who literally were enemies of each other. Because that's mm. the other translation of the word hostility. It's that Old Testament word, enmity, <laughs> you know, right. that the King right. James loves to use. And, and so, I, I, yeah, I, I think Paul is really trying to emphasize, you, you got to understand, this, this hasn't just changed your relationship to God, but it's changed your relationship and everybody around you. In, in terms of God, um, yeah. So and it's it's interesting too. With this, it's good for us to think about our own church. He speaks language here of um, made us both one, and he speaks about us being one new man, and then talks about reconcile us. And so he's speaking about the 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 breaking down of the walls. Clearly, um, um, uh, it, it's spoken about how this could be a reference to, you know, the, the temple, the separation of Jews and Gentiles, the inner court, the outer court. Christ has broken that down. We're all together as one. Um, but it, but th- this relates to the church today that we are able to say, OK, we're all in here. We got Democrats. We got we got Republicans. We got this nationality, that nationality. I mean, I think back to my, my grandmother, who was uh, 100 percent Norwegian. I mean, when she married a German, I mean, you thought the world was going to end in. <laughs> the Hostet family. And so you have all of that. And too often we try to break it down and unify through other things. But as a church, we need to say we're united in Christ, reconciled by Christ, one new man, all together as one. And let that be the beaming point of us moving forward. We have about a minute left here. Any last thoughts here, John? Well, uh, first of all, I can't believe that a Norwegian would marry a German. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Lord have mercy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but you know that this. Is, it, it, but thanks for that illustration because that's what. If you're listening to us right now, you got to think about. There's somebody in the church that you don't get along with. I know how that Absolutely. is. We have those things, and, and now you got to wrestle with the fact you need to you need to confess that's not right. Okay. I know in your flesh it seems like, well, that's what I need to do. But but Paul's challenge is saying, no, no, that that can't be. Not in the church of God. Uh, sure, in our sinful flesh, that that's that's the way it is. But no, those kind of things because we have been made one uh, by uh, the the cross of Jesus Christ, and He killed again. What a powerful word, huh? He kills mm-hmm. the hostility. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So now we we got to realize that and believe that. Yeah. So as we're united in Christ right now, we need to take a break. So we are studying Ephesians chapter 2 with Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky, and we'll be right back.
You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. And welcome back. We are studying Ephesians chapter 2 with Pastor Lukomsky. As we are studying this today, it brought to mind to me Romans 5.19. For as by one man's disobedience the, men, disobedience, the many were made sinners, so that by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. This is what unites us. And it's a reminder for us in the church that if you think that we in the church are going to be united over all things, well, you're going to be severely disappointed. But we're united in Christ, and that's what unites us and brings us together, really, through everything. Any last thoughts before we get to the next verses, Pastor? Well, just again, I hope people understand that this is talking about us and what's going on in our lives and in our churches. And like I said, I know there's people that we don't get along with and people we don't like. Uh, and I, that'll be because we're sinners. That's, you know, people talk to me about why the church it doesn't have more peace. And I think, well, because it's a body of sinners. You know, that's the mm-hmm. problem. We, we mm-hmm. need a better class of people in the church. <laughs> what did we think <laughs> yeah, was going right. to happen when we get a bunch of sinners together? But oh, but on, on the other hand, that person that you're having trouble with, it's not a matter of me telling, well, you got to be nicer. No, no, that isn't going to help you at all. And, and, and No, but what you need to ask is God give you the faith to remind you that that person is one that God loves and one that is reconciled to him, just like you're reconciled. And I think it's from that faith and that gospel. That'll begin to change our hearts. We we may still not like them, <laughs> right? But 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 I I I think our heart will be changed toward them in terms of how we act towards them. And one of the things too, as we look at these next few verses, is this understanding of grief. So the church is always grieving, um, and, and I'll explain this a little bit. Is that I would argue that that's what's happening here. It wasn't just that maybe the Jews are like, oh, by the way, I have circumcision, and and the Gentiles are like, well, we have whatever whatever they would say they have. Yeah. Is that they're grieving because something is different, something is is gone. You know, it's kind of like that empty seat that you have at Thanksgiving that first year when a loved one is gone, or that at church you don't have the same programs that you had when you were young, um, or whatever it is that you're grieving. And that's a major part of the church that we don't allow and we don't always fully understand that it isn't so much an issue of personality. It has happened that way. But also there's grief. Like that person is grieving something. And the church question, and then the question is, how do I bring this person peace? How do I care for this person's yeah. soul? How do I make sure I handle my grief as well? And that the church prays for me and going through all my grief I have as well, because that brings us together by the peace of Christ as well. So let's move on. 17 and 18. And he came, Jesus came, and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we might, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So I want to stop there because he speaks words of preaching peace. Any thoughts on that? Through him, um, uh, you were far off, now those who are near. Um, Thoughts on these verses? 
Well, well, so, so a couple of things. First of all, we, we now have the means of how this is going to be accomplished, okay? Because okay. uh, it's not going to be accomplished by your moral effort. And I think that's where we get sidetracked. You know, we hear a, a text like this, a, a program like this, well, yeah, I guess I better start being nicer to my neighbor. Uh, right. No, this is not the consequence of moral effort. That won't get you very far. Uh, but it is the result of, of the word. Uh, that is, we're hearing the, the peace that is being preached to you. Uh, and and uh, again, the, the word preach here is just so inadequate because it's the, the word is gospel in, 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 in the actual text. So we're being mm. gospelized, okay? <laughs> we don't like to be preached at, but someone's given us good news. And if you think about mm. it, you, this is good news. We, we, we were distant. We were foreigners. We were, and none of that's true anymore. And that's a fact, you know? Uh, uh, whether you've wrestled with it or not, it's a fact. That's exactly how it is in Christ. So I think that's one of the key things here is that uh, um, this is how it's going to be accomplished. It's going to be accomplished through the uh, through the preaching, through the Word of God, through this gospel that He's given us. Um, and it says and, here and that, think, you know, he yeah. preached peace. He gospelized peace. Is that how we would say it? That Jesus yeah, came and yeah. gospelized peace. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. He gospeled now, us. He gospeled us peace. Gospeled <laughs> us. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, this kind of reminds me of John 14. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My, pe- my peace I give to you. So that makes, that connects very well. That oh, yeah. The gospel, yeah. Jesus himself gives my, I give it to you. I pour it upon you. Not as the world gives, but as I give. Let not let not your hearts be troubled. So that that really connects well with with Jesus' preaching itself. And 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 Brady, do people understand that's why you go to church? I'm glad <laughs> right. you used that passage because I want somebody to give me peace. See, right? Uh, and, and we got to understand. I don't go to church because I'm going to sit in the pew and look. God's going to say, "Oh." Isn't he a nice guy? <laughs> he came right. to church for an hour. No, no, I'm going because I need God to give me that peace because I, I don't have it. I, I'm concerned about myself. I'm concerned about things in my family. I got to know that, no, God still loves me. I'm still cared. And, and then, like Paul says in these verses, then how can that not change the way you think and look at the people that are around you who are also there just uh, looking for peace? To God to give him peace. So yeah, that's a great passage. You're absolutely right, Brady. That's a perfect passage. It's a gift, isn't it? Yeah. And it's through him. That's the language once again. In oh, and yeah. through yeah. him, yeah. by the cross, the body and the cross. I think about this, um, John, is there's, there's, there's these moments where someone preaches to you and you don't really realize that you needed it. So for example, when mm. COVID all started, um, uh, our circuit visitor, my blessed circuit visitor, called and he left a message on my phone um, for whatever reason I didn't answer and he just he went on a very 30 second you know Brady I'm um, just so you know that as we're going through COVID we don't know what we're doing is kind of how he started and then he said the Lord will give you strength and wisdom and he said the Lord be with you amen I mean that was kind of the end of it yeah. but I, I just remember that that is the simplicity of why we have church is to remind, okay, here's who God is, the Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And he just isn't that like, wow, look at that guy. He's peace. But he gives that to you. (laughs) He pours it upon you. He preaches it into your soul. And you realize, wow, 
I needed that. And then people are able to go. That'd be great. How about this? We, we start promoting our churches, the place where you receive peace. I mean, that'd be a, that'd be a good tagline. I'm trying to think of a tagline now um, of how this could be said. But that, that's what we need, and that's what the church yeah. gives. And we need to make sure that people know that. And, and and as a church, we have to really start thinking about what we're doing in our practices and ask ourselves, is that what we're doing? Because you're absolutely right. That's why we're here, is to see that people, both near and far, see again. And isn't that interesting that, that Paul actually embraces those differences? He doesn't say, oh, we're all one big happy family. No, no, that the Jews are different. <laughs> they were near. We were off at a distance. But, you know, in Christ, does it really make does it change anything? No, no, because in Christ now we're all one. Uh, we are all reconciled to God through Christ. Uh, and, and see, I think that's the thing the world wants to do. The world says, oh, okay, well, no, we're all the same. It wants to just kind of, uh, 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 you know, uh, paint over those differences. Whereas Paul says, no, I, I'll acknowledge the differences. I'm just pointing out to you that if, if we're all reconciled by Jesus Christ, then those differences, they don't make any difference, you know? So uh, right, exactly, yeah. And one one unique thing here in verse eighteen is it is a trinitarian understanding of 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 oh, God yeah. and how it, it it comes to us. So through Him, obviously Jesus, we both, meaning all people, basically in this situation, have access in one Spirit to the Father. And He does this also in chapter one. Um, and I'm trying to think of the other place. Excuse me for a moment. I, th- I know it's in chapter one. Uh, Dr. Winger speaks about this. But you look at the the access, the the full Trinitarian theology that Paul has already in his preaching and teaching to point us that this is not just, you know, me and Jesus. This is a full God, a relational God working together um, through you. I mean, and that, that was one thing that really struck me is that clear confession of who our God is. Any thoughts? Well, and, and, you know, see, I didn't notice that, but when you say it, it's just as obvious as can be, isn't it? Because you've got the Spirit, you've got the Father, which, by the way, isn't that neat, that now we don't refer to God just as God. You know, in verse 16, he might reconcile us both to God, mm. uh, but maybe that's the entire Trinity there, huh? I, I, I never thought about that, Absolutely. that when he refers to God, might reconcile us both to God. That's that's the whole ball of wax. It's the Father, it's Jesus, it's the Spirit. We're all together and with him. Uh, but, but yeah, that's it. That's and again, that understanding that you want all of those. Don't you want God to be your beloved Father? Would you want to mm-hmm. consider him anything else? Don't you need the Spirit? Because how is this going to happen? Let's face it, we're not going to do it. We don't have it within our flesh to make the changes that Paul is talking about. But the Spirit, the Spirit can do things in us that we're incapable of doing for ourselves. And then, of course, it all circles around Jesus, who by his blood and by his body uh, made this reconciliation possible. Uh, you know, before we leave that verse 18, we should probably mm-hmm. come out on that word access again, because you you had noted this earlier, and we probably should note it again. Paul is working on this image. He he talks about the wall, uh, mm-hmm. because that, as you said, that literally was true. If you were a, a uncircumcised, uh, you couldn't go into the temple. There was a wall there that warned you. And in fact, Paul had been accused, right? That was, that was the accusation against Paul, that he'd actually taken Gentiles into the temple 
people, oh, how could you do that, Paul? Right. Um, right. But but now now and, and you know what? There were there was a wall for the Jews too, though, wasn't there, Brady? If you were a Jew, there was a part of the temple you couldn't go into either, right. the Holy right. of Holies. And, and so that word access, I think, is a really important word here, because Paul's saying, no more walls, people, no more walls between us and God, not for you who are near, not for those of us who are far. No more. And if there's no more, more walls between us and God, how could there possibly be walls between us each other? No, it just can't be. Right. And I guess you say an open open door policy <laughs> ah, <laughs> had been exactly. instituted for Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it's kind of and it's funny, too, because, you know, like if you're um, I remember in college, like one of our uh, I was in track. My wife and I were in track together. And and when I'm, some of the coaches would say we have an open door policy. And I remember you would go there and they'd be on the phone while the door was no longer open, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of <laughs> how we that's how we, you know, or there's something else that he was doing, which is fine. I understand that. But it's like, well, maybe one to two o'clock is the open door policy, not three o'clock. But anyways, <laughs> but it, that's how we see God, right? Is that like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're really available to us. Yeah, you really, it's an open door policy. There has to be a contingency somewhere. There has to be something. But no, he's speaking here in the flesh, in Christ Jesus, in the body of the cross, through him, it is an open door policy and the walls have been crumbled. The walls have fallen down all around us, just like um, um Ah, uh, shoot. I'm talking about uh, Joshua and, and uh, the falling oh, yeah. of the walls. Yeah. This yeah. is an yeah. imagery of us in the gospel. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm thinking of that picture of the, the city in, in heaven where uh, all four sides have doors. Yeah. And the doors are there open and, and uh, from the right. north, the southeast and the west. Uh, but, but again, can, can you see the, the point? If that's true, and, and it is absolutely true, I hope everybody understands that. I don't care what mean, evil thoughts you might have had. I don't care what kind of horrible things you've done. I don't care if, how you've mistreated people. You're right. That that door to God is open for you right now. You come in, in repentance and Jesus Christ is there uh, to give you complete and full forgiveness. That's what we go. That's the peace we have when we go to church. And don't you understand that is there for everybody. So if it's there for mm-hmm. us, no matter what, then we got to realize, well, it's there for the, the other people that maybe we didn't think should, they shouldn't come in the door, should they? <laughs> it's right. open for me, but I'm not so sure about them. But no, no, it is open to all. And that's a great cover to us then to realize that no matter how Henri we may get, uh, he's, he's always there just waiting for us to come. And it's all through him. Let's continue on, 19 through 21. Great. I mean, these are the last. I really wanted to focus on on these last three verses because they are so powerful and so needed for us. 19 through 21. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Where do you want us to start here? Well, okay. So let me just, real quick. So Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and this sounds like he's primarily addressing the Gentiles, and 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 he probably is. But there's Jews in that church, too. In fact, that church probably was started by Jews, and, mm-hmm. and, and there's a very subtle address to the Jews here when he says, um, 
you are no longer strangers and aliens. Uh, and I didn't catch this at first, but thank God the Spirit led me to stumble across this. Mm -hmm. That's actually from the Old Testament. And, and you know, Brady and I have talked about, you, you, we and I have talked about this before, that Paul is the Old Testament professor. When, yep. when you're reading him, you've got to be asking, okay, what's he thinking about? Because he's probably thinking about something from the Old Testament. Let me share with you a passage from First Chronicles 29. This is mm -hmm. David's prayer, okay? And he's talking now, of course, to Jews. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all mm. our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. So he's using the exact same terms, sojourners and strangers, that David uses in that prayer in Chronicles. And can you see what he's saying to the Jews? He's saying, come on, people. You know what you were. You were wanderers, you were aliens, you were foreigners, you were strangers, and yet God chose you and made you his own people. How can you not now refuse that same peace and grace to all of these Gentiles? Uh, so it's a, just a really powerful thing, Paul addressing both the Gentiles and the Jews by using this language, uh, strangers and aliens. Um, so... And what are those verses? First uh, Chronicles, what? 29? Uh, 29 verse 15. Wonderful. And this is See, where I, David I, I, plays in, uh, prays in the assembly um, yeah. and the temple and, and all this. Yeah, that's interesting that he would even say that they're sojourners and, and, and aliens um, because you would think, no, no, you're the inside. You're inside. You don't, have to, you don't have to talk that way. But no, he says we are. That's interesting. Yeah, because that's mm -hmm. where we all got to start. We all got to start by remembering we were the aliens. We were the sojourners. No one comes into this world being part of God's people. Uh, and maybe that's the big danger we have as, as people that have been Christians for three or four generations. We forgot that because we think, oh, no, I was born into the church. I've always mm -hmm. been part of the church. No, no, we need to realize that in our fleshly birth, we were outsiders, we were foreigners, we were aliens. Now— isn't that a wonderful thing that when we were babies, God baptized us and declared us to be his children, you know, mm. said, call me father now. But but you got to understand, nobody starts that way. Nobody begins out that way. No, we were made right. that way by God. And, and we should be thankful that God did that for most of us when we were little. But that certainly shouldn't make us feel that we're better than those that he did when they were adults or maybe even old people. You know, we should just be glad we're all fellow citizens. And it's interesting because you look at Galatians chapter 5 when it talks about fruit of the Spirit. I think about this as I, you know, I'm still journeying. I've been here 10 and a half years at Messiah, and I'm still journeying, understanding how God's Spirit has worked in people, how it's bore fruit. And one of the ways I've noticed this is one time there was a, a funeral that I did, and, and they were talking about family and and one person just mentioned like, you know, oh, yeah, this person, so-and-so, that they do this unique so-and-so thing, da-da-da-da-da-da. And just, you know, kind of, just kind of, for most of us, it would be considered to be very strange things. And I remember one of our beloved members is that she said, yep, but God brought us together. And then that was the end uh, of the discussion. And I, I think uh, about, and this is this is a wonderful way that, I mean, just think about that. That was so short. I mean, she could have gone on a whole, you know, Paul letter <laughs> and talking about, don't you know, don't you know that Jesus died for us, da, da, da. But she just said that and it stops you in your tracks to stop your Eighth Commandment talk, right? 
<laughs> issues yep, and, it, yep. and it unites us to, and to there's so much in those small short amount of words and even what Paul says here that we are no longer strangers and aliens he says so much in only a few words and that bears fruit in our churches and in our lives in ways that often we never see but are definitely evident well, I was thinking about your, your member you mentioned earlier that said, well, I'm one of the founding fathers, and I was mm-hmm, here. Right, right. And I'm thinking, what a blessing. What mm-hmm. a blessing to be oh my gosh, one yeah. of the founding members. As long as you don't begin to think that means you are better than the people that have come later. Right. Yeah, see, right. that's the danger. We're always looking for something in ourselves that would give us the edge up over other people. And I'm not suggesting that your member is feeling that way, although I would suggest <laughs> no. I feel that way very often. <laughs> right. I think. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. But, but no, I no, can. no. That's what, no, no. That's, <laughs> no, no. Isn't that a great thing that we're all now together? these citizens, even though some of us came in early, some of us came in late. Well, Paul himself, right? He says, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I shouldn't even be part of this thing, but I am. And what a great thing that is to know that, that I am. Yeah. And so come here lately. in verse 19, his phrase? Yeah. It, Johnny come lately, or Paul come lately, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, with, and here's one word before we get to Jesus once again, I wanted to focus on, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. I found that fascinating to read because, as I said, throughout this, these, these verses, it's a lot of in and through Jesus. Oh, yeah. But here it points us and it almost throws us into the fellowship of believers, right? It just with the saints, it, it takes us from, okay, now I'm citizens with Jesus, right? I'm his citizens in heaven. I'm citizens with all this. But no, it says with the saints. And so it just reminds us that this, this forgiveness, that this grace, that this uh, faith that we have throws us to one another in ways that um, are profoundly wonderful and ways that we often forget. I, I, I just notice those words that it brings us together as God's people. And and it's so exciting to think about all the people that have come before us, and we can go all the way back to to uh, the Old Testament. I guess you could go all the way back to Adam and Eve if you wanted to. And and I think about the people in my family, and then I think about my kids and my grandkids, and and to know that this was all God's design. He was doing all of this all along. Um, and yeah, to recognize that we're part of that. We're part of that. And then, again, as we've said, the emphasis here is to recognize these other people. They're part of it, too. They're part of mm-hmm. it, too. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so here gets to verse 20. This was actually the uh, theme verse of my vicarage congregation in Topeka, Kansas, was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. I love I love history of churches. I love history of like the LCMS history, especially. And you look at all these um, old buildings that were built and the pictures you almost always saw was not when it was going up, you know, not the the foundation being built and not the the the, the walls being put up or the toilet being put in or something. What did they have a picture <laughs> of? Was when they put the cornerstone in. Have you noticed oh, this yeah. before, Pastor? Oh yeah. See, I, I in my ministry, I actually got to build two churches. Not not by desire. It just I happened to be here when it was going on. And of course, that's the big thing. You're right, Brady. When you lay that cornerstone, because that's the that's the thing that's going to start all of the rest of it being put together. Uh, and the cornerstone right. here, of course, is Christ Jesus Himself. Yeah. 
Right. And it, it brings it all together and can't help but think about the hymn, Built on the rock, the church shall stand, even oh. when steeples are falling, crumbled have spires in every land, bells still are chiming and calling, calling the young and the old to rest, but above all the soul's distress, longing for rest everlasting. This is this goes right to it. What is a cornerstone? It gives us peace, longing for rest everlasting. That's what we're looking for. And that is exactly what Christ gives as our chief cornerstone. Everything's built on that. And and isn't it a neat picture? Because he starts by tearing down the temple, right? Right. Because that wall that separated the Gentiles, that's tore down. That wall that that left the Jews outside, even though they were near, they still couldn't come in. So so what Mm. really good is it to be near if you still can't make that final passage to be in the presence of God? And so that whole temple, which was all about separation from God is now torn down, and now we have a new temple that's being constructed where everybody Mm. is welcomed in, into the immediacy of the presence of the Lord. I don't see—again, we're just so used to going to church. I don't know if people understand how great it is to actually come into the very throne room and presence of the Holy Almighty God. And to come in, Paul says, with confidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we appreciate to be able to go to church and to be in the very one who made everything, and that he welcomes us to be there with him, and that he gives us, as you said earlier, gives us peace. Peace. Um, well, we have about three minutes here. Let's get to the last verse, which kind of, okay. as it says, brings it all together. Verse 22. Um, verse 22, excuse me. In him, once again, in him, you were also built, being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Once again, that language of being united and built together, being built together into a dwelling place by his spirit. Trinitarian language, um, obviously pointing us with the saints. Thoughts on this? Well, and, and of course, the thing here is that it's a place where God is dwelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, elsewhere, Paul uses that image uh, for us personally, that God dwells in us, that we are the the uh, temple uh, of the Holy Spirit. But here, I, I think he's talking about all of us together. He is talking about the church, uh, the, the whole assembly that has the apostles and prophets and Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. And again, by the Spirit. See, you didn't come into this church by your choice or your decision, but it was God, the Holy Spirit, who brought you in, who gave you faith, and who now would reconcile us not only to God, but to one another. And it talks about this in First Peter, you know, church is a living temple. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. Just, you know, that we're, that we joining together are a spiritual house and, and offering up, it's a living thing. It's a breathing thing. It's a united thing that we are together. And that's why I think when we think about this is you go to church. And you're sitting there with, with people, greeting people in the way that they best can at this time. Um, and to just give thanks. That's my that's my encouragement to everybody right now. Give thanks for everyone who is there. And to say, wow, we are together in this, built together, and the Holy Spirit is filling us with grace to point us to Christ. We have about a minute here. What are your last thoughts on this text? Well, I just real quickly, this, this phrase, being joined together there, verse 21, I, I just mm-hmm. want to point out that's actually the word for laying bricks. 
And and you oh. just kind of touched on that. That's what the church is. We're a bunch of bricks. We're a bunch of stones. <laughs> uh, God gathered us together. We didn't gather. Stones don't gather themselves together. And now he's laying us one upon the other. Uh, and that's how it is. One stone doesn't do you very good at all. But but you bring a bunch of stones, you lay them together, and then you give them a really great cornerstone, and you give them a fantastic foundation like the apostles and prophets, and you put that cornerstone in Jesus Christ. You really got some temple there, don't you? Uh, so that's what we need to realize. We're all part of this wonderful thing called the church. Um, and not just us only, but all those people around us, too. And it is built on the chief cornerstone, our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Pastor John Lekomsky is co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO, helping us today with Ephesians chapter 2. Pastor Lekomsky, thank you for being our guest. Thank you, Brady. It's always fun talking to you. <laughs> Saints of our Lord, it is what the, the hymn tells us. Christ is our cornerstone. On him alone we build. With his true saints alone, the courts of heaven are filled. On his great love, our hopes we place on present grace and joys above. This reminds us of who we are in Christ as he knits us together in his grace. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.